Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. Good morning. Love does change everything. Amen? And not just love changes everything, but God's perfected love through the redeeming work of, of Jesus on the cross re, uh, changes everything. And we are now wrapping up our uh, Love Changes Everything series. We've been in this series for a little while now, for a couple months, and um, we are closing it out this week with uh, asking ourselves, if God's love changes everything, how is this love that we now have, how is this going to change the love that, that we have for the people outside of the church, and how is it going to change about how we love the people within the church? You know, I'm excited um, for today's uh, text that we're going to be in. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, please, turn them to Rome, uh, please turn them to Romans uh, 12. 9 to 21. If you have your phone, you can also um, scan the QR code and pull it up that way. So as I said, we're wrapping up this Love Changes Everything. And if you're a visitor this morning or you have been the last few weeks and you haven't, uh, I haven't met you, my name's Matt. I'm, I serve as the youth pastor here. And now I know what some of you are thinking, man, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as uh, who's preaching Right, Pastor Dave's gone on vacation. We had Pastor Wayne uh, at the one of the offices up up north of us from the Baptist denomination come down. He did a great job, and we have an associate pastor who's been a pastor for a super long time with Chuck last week, and now we just got the youth guy. Awesome. <laughs> Don't worry, the teens love me. They're 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 going to be supportive. Probably not. But it's all good. So if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to do something different, okay? You're like, oh, no. <laughs> There's a reason why I didn't want him preaching. <laughs> all right. Well, I grew up in a Nazarene church um, for the greater part of my childhood before going to a Baptist church when I was in junior high in high school. And at this Nazarene church, um, I remember as a kid, we stood up while reading the Word of God. So this morning, we're going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to ask you guys, if you would, stand with me as we read God's Word. And some of you older people are like, yes, finally, I've been waiting to do this. All right, so let me read today's text, Romans 9 to 21. It says this, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, Contribute to the needs of the saints and, to seek, and seek to show hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your, in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God, we thank you for today's word. God, we thank you for the word of God as it changes hearts, it restores relationships with you, it redeems us, it it convicts us, it stirs in us the change that we need to do to glorify you the, uh, the most. God, we thank you for the word of God. God, we thank you for the words here that Paul presented through the convictions of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that the words that we study and un- unpack today, may it be something that here at New Hope, uh, that it may be something that stirs in our hearts to love the people here, to love this church more, and to love the people outside of these four walls more as well. God, we give this sermon to you. God, we pray that you will soften our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you so much. All right, so before we get to, uh, to today's uh, text that we just read, you know, my conversations with Pastor David, Pastor Philip, Pastor Chuck these last couple months, uh, I feel that God is at, at work here in New Hope. Do, do some of you guys think that? Okay, I, I think God is doing something here at New Hope. I think God is, I, I think God is doing something amazing here, and I think talking with the other pastors here on staff, and talking with you guys, we sense God is, is moving here. And so I, I want to encourage you by first off saying that. I think God is doing something big here at New Hope, and he is inviting us to be a part of that. Now, I also know that we're, we're talking about the book of Romans, all right? There's, there's a lot of commentaries on the book of Romans. There's a lot of books on the book of Romans. Uh, Pastor David, who has his doctorate, probably will preach this a little bit better than me because I don't have that, (laughs) all right? But, you know, so what I'm about to say, I don't think is that profound. I don't think it's that something that we've not heard before, but here's the deal. Because of where we're going, because of what God has blessed us with what we've seen, I think this serves as a good reminder, all right? And so Paul, he writes this book. Paul is the guy uh, who writes the book of Romans, He's a Roman citizen riding in his third missionary journey. He's riding to uh, a, a lot of different home churches that are now being seen uh, popping up in Rome. Now, he's also writing to Gentiles, people who haven't uh, declared, or people who don't come from Jewish descent. And yes, he's also writing to the Jews as well. And we also, we see in this time in Rome in the church, we see this mix of Jew and Gentile. You know, in 49 AD, uh, there was a, a disagreement with, within the Jewish synagogues of who this Jesus really was. And it got to the point where it was so bad that Emperor Claudius, according to Acts 18.2, actually kicked him out. Like, can you imagine, like, things getting so bad here at New Hope where the county comes in and is like, okay, you guys got to go, all right? Can you, like, this is what's going on uh, here. And so a few years later passes, some of the Jews start coming back into the, to the uh, Roman society, Roman culture, 
And there then rises some disagreements. Some of these disagreements come about saying, are we going to adhere to Jewish customs and traditions? Are we going to be concerned about our ancestors uh, leading all the way back to Abraham? Are we going to be concerned about uh, the Old Testament law and being circumcised and what all that means for us in, in walking with Jesus? And then you have the Gentiles on the flip side of things. They're just like, I enjoy bacon and I love Jesus, okay? That's kind of what they're saying. Um, and, you know, we have a disagreement there that, that rises up on who um, is a true believer in Jesus. And so Paul is writing, he's writing to ease the tension, all right? <laughs> he's being a good pastor here. He's writing to ease the tension that has now formed within these churches, all right, and, and then in, in Romans, we see it broken into three very distinguished parts. And I, and I think it's appropriate because Paul needs to clearly distribute and lay out uh, who's saved. And, and so in chapters 1 to 8, Paul lays this foundation of what is exactly this Christian faith and why do we actually need it? Chapters 9 to 11, it explains because of this faith that we now need, we have received it, and we now have a relationship with God. And then in chapters 12 to 16, Paul, he understands that they're humans. They're not going to know how to do that. So let me explain how to actually be a Christian. And I think that's good because we do the same thing. We need that too. We need those last few, few chapters in Romans. And he does so explaining that in chapters 12 to 16. And so we're going to be in chapter 12 today, as we just read. And 12, it starts with saying in, in verses uh, 1 that we, as Christ followers, because of the previous chapters we just read, because of now who we have, who we are now in Jesus Christ, because of the grace that we've been found in in Christ alone, because of the grace alone that we now have in Jesus, we get to be a self-sacrificing Christ follower. We get to be a living sacrifice. And, and, you know, that may be scary, and it's scary to some of us here as well. It's like, oh, man, I don't know how to be a Christ follower. That's intimidating, man. I don't know if I want to do all that. And then, and then Paul, he reminds us and them, hey, these things called spiritual gifts— they're gonna, God's going to bless you with them, that you're going to be able to build the body up. You're going to be able to encourage yourself as you're giving away yourself through these spiritual gifts, and you're going to be a blessing to the body of Christ. <clears throat> so we're supposed to be self-sacrificing. We have these spiritual gifts. And then Paul, he, he starts in 9 to 21 by saying, now let me remind you how you're, or who you're supposed to love. You're supposed to love the people. He breaks these people into two people. You're supposed to love the people here in the church. All right? You're supposed to love the people outside of the church as well. And that was a big deal for them to understand because they were coming from different backgrounds. Some were Gentiles. All right? Some were Jews. They were coming from different traditions, different customs. They were coming from um, all different worldviews. And they had one bond, one relationship in mind, and that was a relationship with Jesus. And, and so I rem that's, that's a good reminder for us as well. We all come from different backgrounds, different places. I come from Ohio. Yeah, right? Ohio, by the way, Ohio, I'm praying for them. They play uh, Villanova. They're probably going to get beat today, but it's okay. Anyways, side note, 
I'm the youth pastor, right? It's okay. All right. So I come from Ohio. You may come from somewhere else. You may come from a different uh, background, how you were raised. I may come from that, a different background as well. Paul understands that these people are coming together. We are coming together. And there's this charge that we need to be reminded, though, to love each other first. In, 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 uh, in verses 9 to 13, he starts this, uh, this uh, ability for us to love one another by saying, let love be genuine. He starts with how we're supposed to love. And how we're supposed to love is, is in a genuine way, sincere, heartfelt, not fake, not hypocritical, not two-faced. We're supposed to love one another in a very real sense, in a very real way, so, so that we are seen in uh, how we love one another. We're seen uh, better than how we love or how others love us outside of this church. Uh, and so uh, we're supposed to, the love that we give one another, that's supposed, that's supposed to be real. It's not supposed to be fake. I, and, you know, I've been in kids' ministry and youth ministry long enough that even kids and teens can see when you're not giving, uh, if your love is hypocritical and it's not genuine and it's not real. And the reality is uh, people here in the church, they can see if your love for them isn't real, isn't genuine, isn't sincere. And so Paul reminds us very quickly through this Greek word agape that Pastor Dave has already presented, this affectionate love that we should have. It should be how we have for each other in the most sincere and genuine way possible. And then it continues to say, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Now there's a, I mean, some people think that hating something and loving something is like oil and water. It doesn't mix. And it actually, here, it actually complements each other. Because as we grow to love one another, as a church, we can actually identify together what is evil, what is sinful, what is unrighteous. And we are called then by God to abhor, to hate what is evil. This Greek word abhor, it, it translates to having a strong feeling of revulsion. You know, we need to do a job of identifying what is sin in this world. Amen? We do. We have to identify, according to the Bible, what this preaches, identifying sin as sin, unrighteousness as unrighteousness. And we are called then to love what is righteous. The great missionary Elizabeth Elliot, she says this, we must quit bending the word to suit our situation. It is we who must be bent to that word. We as a church, we are called uh, to align our hearts. We are called to align what God is doing here at New Hope. We are called together, uh, we are called together to abhor what is evil, to align our hearts with the word of God, and to stay true to what he says. And it says, hold fast to what is good. This Greek word, in hold fast, it's actually, it means cement. So if you can imagine uh, that playground area, uh, shade structure, uh, it was cemented a few months ago. Just imagine standing in the middle of it and being uh, cemented with it. You're not going anywhere, okay? You're going to, might be pushed over, but your, your feet are going to stay steady. They're not going to move. God is saying, we as a church, we at New Hope, we are called then to uh, cement ourselves to what is good. So what is good? 
Well, good is nothing that we can inherently say because according to Jeremiah 17, 9, our hearts, our hearts are full of evilness and wickedness and sin in itself. And so the only way that we can hold fast to what is good is to hold fast to what is good in the eyes and standards of the Lord. And so as we love one another, we can let sin or we can look at sin and say that is sin. We can abhor, hate what is evil. And because of those things, we can hold fast to what is good. And then moving on, it says, uh, love one another with brotherly affection. With brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 11 reminds us that, um, or yeah, uh, or sorry, in verse 10, it says, um, we are called to have this uh, brotherly love with each other. The, the city of brotherly love, I gave this quiz last night, it, it's what? Philadelphia. Okay, so a decent amount of you knew. Uh, yeah, so this Greek word Philadelphia, this brotherly love that we as Christ followers are supposed to have one another, we're supposed to have because we are family. We're family, Okay. Now, I know what you may say. You may look at the teens and say, that's not my family. All right, no way. They're crazy. And they are. That's fine. But, but, and the teens probably say something in reverse, right? But it's okay. But we're supposed to love one another as a brother and sister, as family members, because we are family members. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of our proclamation of Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are family members, and so we are supposed to uh, let that brotherly affection um, be shown in apparent, and it says this, outdo uh, one another in showing honor. This, this says, it's, in verse 10, it's better translated to be eager to promote the reputation of one another. We're supposed to brag about how awesome we, ch- we are. We, we are. I, I, I brag about how, how Pastor Philip does a great job leading the worship, I brag about Pastor Philip and how he is such a, I mean, he has a lot of energy when he leads us, and it's, an amaz- it's amazing to see. I brag about Pastor Chuck and how sincere and heartfelt his intentions are in, in leading us in our belong groups. I love bragging about how mission-minded Pastor David is and how he is uh, all about seeing lost souls saved. I love, I love bragging about you guys. For example, I, one of our teens, uh, I, I brag out Paige uh, all the time. She helps out on worship. She, she sings, and her and another teen, Josiah, they lead worship for us on Sunday night, and they do an amazing job because God knows if I sang and played the guitar, it would not be an amazing job, all right? I love bragging about you guys, I love seeing the, the belong groups that we have after church and how every, a lot of you are invested in that. So we're allowed to brag about each other. I wonder how different the world would look at the church if rather than, than uh, spreading rumors and, and bickering about people within the church with people who aren't saved, how, it, it would, how the world would look at the church different is if we bragged more about the, our family members. All right, so we are allowed to brag about one another, promote the reputation of each other. In verse 11, it says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. All right, 
In verse 11, it, uh, it reminds us that we should not be lazy in what we do. But in, in, but in actuality, we should take much care and seriousness in how we serve one another here. Lazy Christianity is not biblical Christianity. If you have an affection for the body of Christ, if you have an affection and love uh, and an intimate love with uh, your family members here at New Hope, you're going to be actively seeking out uh, how to serve one another. You're not going to come here on Sunday mornings Pastor Dave, that was a good sermon. And then exit, and we'll see you next Sunday. You're going to be actively serving your church. Because again, lazy Christianity isn't biblical Christianity. Nowhere in the Bible, all 1,189 chapters of it, will you see lazy Christianity be preached to you. And so at New Hope, what we have the the ability to do as we're loving people inside these four walls is to serve each other, uh, to serve each other, in a way that uplifts God, uplifts uh, his will, preaches the gospel in accordance to what the Bible says. And then in doing that, we are going to take seriousness uh, to the jobs and obligations that we have here because it's serving with an eternal purpose. It's serving with an eternal purpose. So if you're helping with the teens on Sunday nights at youth group, that's with an eternal purpose. If you're helping lead worship with Pastor Philip, that's serving with an eternal purpose. If you're helping Pastor Chuck lead a belong group, that's serving with an eternal purpose. If you're one of the church leaders here uh, that we meet once a month and we go through all these uh, X, Y, and Z issues that need to get done, if you're serving in that manner, you're serving with an eternal purpose. Church, we serve with God at our end goal. Eternity is coming for people, and we serve with an eternal purpose. Uh, Dr. John MacArthur writes this, Whatever is worth doing in the Christian life is valuable enough to be done with enthusiasm and care. So as you serve the church, as you get excited about serving uh, one another with one another, the people who you love, your family members, you're going to serve with excitement. You're going to serve with enthusiasm. And you're going to take care of of how you're serving. You're not going to be nonchalant. You're going to take seriousness in how you serve. And then lastly, as you serve, you're going to take what you're doing with a heart full of excitement to serve and not a a heart full of obligation. Because church, I've been in church ministry a little bit uh, enough to know that you can tell people who are serving out of obligation. And it's never, it's, never a good, it's never a good mix. So find where you're excited to serve at. Take care of where you're going to serve. And serve with an excited heart, not with one of obligation. And then it moves on. <clears throat> it says, rejoice in, uh, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. We have an opportunity to look at what Jesus' work on the cross uh, is continually doing, the re- continual redeeming work of Jesus, and we get to re- rejoice always together in that one true hope. When certain situations happen, when tribulations come, uh, we be patient. You know, um, Pastor, when Pastor David was on staff uh, about three years ago, um, there was situations that happened. There's difficult times that occurred, 
And we are called to be patient in those difficult times. Last year, you hired a youth pastor, you hired a worship pastor, and you hired an associate pastor. Not going to lie, that can be a difficult situation for a church. Oh, oh, and by the way, you fundraised a $120,000 project outside and a $20,000 project in the kitchen. Those are some difficult things. Those are good things, but some of you have seen that as a difficult situation. But guys, look at what has been, look what patience does. Now we have a full staff. Now we have a, an awesome playground that David Schwein and his team have done for us. I mean, it's an amazing thing to see that that is completed. It's amazing to see how amazing the kitchen looks. This is what patience does in tribulation, in difficult times. And then we're supposed to be constant in prayer. As we're rejoicing in the hope that we have in Jesus and Jesus alone, and as uh, tribulations come and we're patient in those times, always be in prayer. And then while these things are happening, it says, contribute to the needs of the saints and to seek, uh, to, and to, seek to show hospitality. That Greek word for contribute means to share, to be a partner with those people. So let's read that again in appropriate Greek words. Share the needs of the saints. Partner with the needs of the saints and and seek to show hospitality. Church, if there is a difficult situation that you see happen in your belong group, if there's this difficult situation that you catch wind that a teen's going through within their family, don't wait for somebody else to, to go in and save the day. You seek out that opportunity to help those families. Be eager to serve one another in those families' difficult times. Be a family member to your family. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So if your youth pastor has five kids and needs some diapers, (laughs) maybe get some diapers. (laughs) (laughs) because we've gone through a few. And so, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This this hospitality mindset would have been a huge thing for the, the church in Rome, for Jew and for Gentile. From even the days of Homer was hospitality uh, preached to this Roman culture. Uh, hotels, inns, they were full of prostitution, drunkenness, murders. Uh, it was not a five-star resort and spa like you see at Sanibel. It was not a stereotypical hotel that you stay in. And so hospitality was encouraged. And then even in, uh, for these Jews listening to this, they, re- they do probably uh, remember Leviticus 19, 33, and 34, as well as Deuteronomy 10, 18 to 19, preaching again hospitality and a biblical mindset. And those who even witnessed Jesus' ministry, they might recall Jesus' words in Matthew 10, 9 to 15, where Jesus himself even encouraged <clears throat> hospitality. So, church, contribute to the needs of others. Be joyful in how you do that and be glad that you have that opportunity. Open your homes and be a family with your family. 
I will say one of the greatest, uh, I come from a bigger family. Um, my, gran- my mom's one of six kids, and I'm one of like uh, 15 uh, grandkids. And my, our, our oldest, or our youngest daughter, AJ, who was just born, she's like the 19th great grandkid. So we have a big family, but growing up, man, I just loved being a part of the big family. I loved that we just pitched in and helped out with one another in different situations that, that occurred. Church, that's what we're supposed to do with each other. So seek those opportunities. Don't let them just happen and uh, be active in how you pursue, pursue showing hospitality to the saints. All right, so all of that to say is we have, I believe, you guys are doing a good job of showing love to one another. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, not being negative. I believe we at New Hope do a good job of loving each other. But how's this? We have a lot of love to still share with each other. We do. We have a lot of love to still share with each other. Moving on uh, in verses 14 to 21, Paul transitions now for, okay, so we've, we love, we're called to love these people outside or inside these four walls. Now we're called to love those people who don't love Jesus, don't proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior. And man, that is going to be hard for some of you. Paul knew that. We know that. And so he opens it up with saying this, bless those in verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Paul understands how we, how we respond to persecution could, the be, could potentially be the make or break of someone proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior. So church, I understand that there are difficult, there are difficult people outside of these four walls. But the reality is they are not a born-again, regenerate soul that proclaims Jesus as Lord and Savior. So what other uh, thing are they going to do in response to what you do? It's always going to be countercultural for them and how you want them to address you. <laughs> so if there's persecution happening in some of your, your guys' lives, understand the grace of God is still upon you. And we are called to bless them. We are called to, uh, we are called to seek out opportunities to witness to them and to not curse them. Some, a decent amount of you guys are from the South, so essentially don't say bless your heart, all right, to those people, all right? You know what that means, all right? Miss Patricia, she says that to me all the time, but it's okay. And she means it. I don't know why, but it's okay. All right, so <clears throat> Paul is also saying blessings outweighs cursings. Blessings <clears throat> outweigh cursings. He reminds us of Jesus' words in Matthew 5, where he says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> in the early church, <clears throat> this is difficult. Like, this isn't just what our culture th- thinks is persecution. No, like, there were people <laughs> at this time that were being doused in tar, tied up on a post, lit on fire, as a, and, and seen as night. Uh, lights in the middle of the streets. That's where some of these Christians went to their deaths for, because they were a savior, because they were preaching Jesus as Lord and Savior. Some of these people went to the Colosseum, and being, they were being eaten and torn apart for sport, all because of Jesus 
as their Lord, because they were preaching Jesus as Lord and Savior. So this culture that they're in, <clears throat> that they're interacting with, <laughs> bless those, are you sure? <laughs> bless those who persecute you. I, I recommend a book. It's called uh, From Jerusalem to Irinjaya. Uh, it's one of the, oh gosh, hundreds and hundreds of books I had to read in college. But this book, um, it's nothing, it, it just uh, shares uh, missionary stories. And there's a few of there in the early church that a decent amount of them, all of them who were persecuted even after the early church, um, uh, all of them almost went to, their, went to their grave preaching the gospel. They were still striving in the midst of their persecution to bless those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Verse 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Guys, we're allowed to have fun with people who don't love Jesus. I hope you guys know that. I, I get so uh, bothered sometimes when uh, we, get, we get intimidated about hanging out with people who aren't Christians, who look a little different than us, who may smell a little off. Okay, we, we get, I get bothered by that because, church, if you're only hanging out with the people who are saved, then how are you preaching the gospel to people who actually need it? And the only way that we can do that is uh, having fun with each other. And we can also have those serious conversations of, with those people who aren't uh, Christians that are our friends, neighbors, families. But a key, uh, key way to be missional is to rejoice with them. Have fun with them. God forbid, go to a sports bar and watch a basketball game today as Ohio State beats Villanova. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Guys, have fun with those people who don't love Jesus. Those are going to create and foster amazing opportunities to talk about God. The best, uh, the best season of ministry that I had was actually pre-COVID. Um, I was able to go into a bunch of schools all right? Um, that's how desperate people need Jesus. Even the principals are like, uh, pastors, yeah, you can come. That's fine. Uh, and so um, pre-COVID, I, I went to uh, a couple junior high schools and a couple high schools, and I went with no agenda, which is really scary for some of you because some of you are like planners, and it's like, oh no. All right? But I went with no agenda, and it was a blessing to just simply have a good time with those students. And through conversations, it led then to me sharing the gospel and preaching to them and, and loving them how Christ has loved me. And that is simply just having a, a lunch with them. So have a good time with those people. Rejoice with them. When good things happen in their lives, when they're pregnant and they're excited about it, be happy and excited for, with them. All right? When they get a promotion at work, that's a good thing. Be excited about that. When, Teens, when your friends get a better grade than you that don't love Jesus, you're like, well, I prayed for a good grade. and, I, and Don't pray for a good grades, guys. It's not going to happen. I did way too much in high school. Just study. Okay, when, when your friends get a good grade, be excited with them about that. All right, so have a good time with those people. And then it says, uh, it says to weep with those who weep. When bad things happen, don't... <laughs> 
Don't go like all Jesus mode and say, well, if you love Jesus, it wouldn't have happened. Please do not do that. You are creating a wedge that potentially is going to hurt them in the future, and it's going to harden their heart when you do that. I remember, for example, my sister, I love her to death. My sister, Casey, my brother-in-law, Mike. Um, I'll, I'll let you know, I don't believe that they do have a saving relationship with Jesus. But for seven years, they fought infertility. Seven years, they were trying to get pregnant. Time after time again, they, they tried and failed. <clears throat> um, they went to Cleveland Clinic uh, last January. Now, Cleveland Clinic, that's a pretty big deal hospital, right, in the country. The doctor said, Case, your ovaries are that of an 80-year-old woman. You are never getting pregnant. Never. That was the doctor's words. Thanks for the encouragement, right? <laughs> <clears throat> So with heads down, tears filled in her eyes, and as well as my mom and dad and Kara and I's, we just go pray. We go to pray. We, we go to prayer. We weep with her. And in a month, guys, in a month, God opened her womb and blessed her with a baby. And that baby was born in, in October, baby Archer. Guys, that... And I, and I know, <clears throat> I know that's God working. <clears throat> I know that's God working and softening her heart for future conversations with my mom, my dad, for, with Kara, with me, with somebody else at, in their community and up in Ohio. So, weep with those people who are hurting, rejoice with those people who are rejoicing. <clears throat> Then continuing on in verse 16, it says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Essentially, if you dress better than somebody, don't brag about it. It's fine. We know that you may dress well. If you drive a nicer car, that's fine. Don't brag about it. We're glad that you have a nice car. If you have a bigger house than me, probably do. It's fine. I'm a poor youth pastor. It's okay. Don't brag about it, all right? Don't be like, wow, I wish you had a pool. That would probably make the kids busy. Yeah, you're right. I wish I had a pool. You're right. Maybe I can come to your house. But anyways. <laughs> hint, hint, right? Hint, hint. It's all right. <clears throat> Kara's like, amen. <laughs> all right. Don't think you're better than people. No one likes those kind of people. Especially unchurched, they don't like people in the church thinking they are. We know that we have been saved by the grace of Jesus. We know that, that God's love is stirring in our hearts and the Holy Spirit is inside of us and dwelling in us. Don't, but we don't need to act like we're better than people. All right, that was just a, that's a quick one that Paul reminds us. And then he comes back to uh, people who are persecuting you. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all beloved. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, <clears throat> feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, uh, be, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil uh, with evil. When we work things out with others, uh, that is going to produce harmony. And when we produce harmony with those people outside of these church walls who aren't uh, followers of Jesus, that's going to bring more honor to God. Now, I also understand that there are people who are 
being hurt and bothered and affected by certain situations in your life. And my encouragement, this may be pretty blunt, but hear me, hear me through this. Through much prayer and supplication, should we know when and how to separate ourselves from a situation? The Holy Spirit, he will either convict you that you're being petty or comfort you that it's time to sever that relationship. All right? Because sometimes I feel like we are good at being petty, right? I know I am. Kara's like, yes, yes, you are. All right. And so, again, through much prayer and supplication, will we know when and how to separate ourselves from a situation? But the Holy Spirit, he will either convict us that we're either being petty or comfort us knowing that we are going, uh, that we are needing to part ways in that relationship. So I think of this. This is a simple analogy that I came up with in my head. A stereotypical youth pastor analogy in my head, so forgive me. So if your neighbor has this little chihuahua, yip, 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 all right? You know, you know chihuahuas do that. My grandma on my dad's side has two there's a reason why I haven't seen her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. I've seen my grandma. Don't worry. All right. But this little neighbor has a chihuahua. Always barks. Never, never shuts up. And not, e- and not even this, but it even goes number two in your nice yard after you fertilized it too. All right? I know. The gall. But I think... That is a situation where you don't move across town because of that, (laughs) is what I'm saying. I think you seek out opportunities to have a relationship with those people, potentially even ask. That neighbor may be a 90-year-old lady like my grandma and not have the energy or the physical abilities to take her dog on a walk, and she barely can have the ability to put her on a chain link. So maybe you can step up and seek harmony in that way. Now, I will say on the flip side, if you have a neighbor who's um, trashing your house, breaking into your house, trashing it, keying your car, vandalizing your home, and you've sought out opportunities to reconcile that relationship, and that hasn't happened, okay, that might be a good opportunity to move across town, all right? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. This Greek word for vengeance, it says justice, it means justice or retribution. In Deuteronomy 32, 35, it says, vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip. This, you know, when we desire to seek out vengeance on our own accord, it's always going to be in a self-centered, sin-led way, and it's not going to be led in a way that is holy and unifying and, and perfected like God's just wrath. And so when we seek out opportunities and to avenge what is being done wrong in our lives, we're always going to come up short to the standard of the vengeance and the wrath of God. God's wrath is holy, not yours. God's wrath is holy, not yours. God's vengeance is holy, not yours. God's justice is holy, not yours. All right? So if you believe that something is going wrong uh, in your life, understand that justice is going to happen. Retribution will happen. Wrath will happen. And it's going to be in the most perfected way possible through the work of God. That's his job not ours. So let's leave things that are God's jobs to him, because he's going to do a way better job than if we were to do it, right? Right? 
Okay, just making sure, because like two people were like, yeah, so like a hundred of y'all are like, oh no, I need to send a text message. But, all right, so God's justice, God's retribution, God's wrath is perfected, not ours. All right, <clears throat> and then in closing, it's uh, closing with these verses, it says, uh, heap burning coals on his head. Paul uses this phrase, and it's a confusing one, or it may be. And essentially what this means is to kill this person with kindness. Kill him with kindness, it says. Um, because uh, in, in uh, 2 Samuel twenty-two thirteen, Psalm eleven six, and in Psalm 140, 10, the Old Testament, it represents punishment that this person is storing more for themselves. So if something is going wrong, like that neighbor that has a, a, has a yippee chihuahua dog, if, that's going, if that is a situation you want to reconcile, and you try to say, hey, I'll walk your dog. Here's a, a meal for you. Here's me. Uh, I'll wash your car. Here is, uh, I'll help with the groceries. Uh, hey, I'll take you to church. Hey, I'll take you to the senior adult Bible study on Thursday. If you do all, and you're trying your hardest to be nice, to kill them with kindness, and they neglect that, they themselves are going to be judged for that. They themselves, as it says, it's going to heap burning coals on their head. All right? So kill that person, though. Kill them with kindness. I know you moms have said that to your kids. Just kill them with kindness. All right? And so that's my plea and my challenge for you in this situation. So if God's love changes everything, it must change how we love the people outside of it. You know, church, I pray, and I, I desire, I desire that our church loves each other so much that um, we're going to grow an affection on how we love the people outside of it. And when we love the people outside of it, we're going to be a hospital. That's what we're going to be. Mark 2.17, Jesus uh, is, is uh, being yelled at by these religious know-it-alls. And he's like, listen, guys, I came to seek people who need spiritual healing. Guys, if we're going to be that, yes, we love people here, of course. We love people here. But by the love that we exhibit here, let's take it outside of these four walls. And when the opportunity arises, church, we're going to be a, a hospital. That is my prayer. And I understand a hospital is gross, it's disgusting, it has 101 different diseases with 101 different problems. I understand. But last time I checked, that cross, that's the redeeming work that those people need. So I close with John 13, 34 to 35. Jesus is having the Last Supper with his best friends, his disciples. And he says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Church, we have a lot of work to do. I'm not, I'm not saying we, we haven't done a lot of work because I believe the work we have done is really good and valuable in the eyes of the Lord. But don't think our job is done, all right? So let us love the church. Let us love the people inside of it, of course, like you are doing. And let's be active in loving the people outside of it. Let us pray. 
God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come here. God, we thank you for the opportunity to, to be challenged by your word. God, I pray that as we wrap up this Love Changes Everything series, that we will have the simple reminder to love you and love others. That's, that's what the, if everyone forgets all that I said in the 45 minutes, let them just remember that. We are called to love you and to love others. So God, I pray that we at New Hope, that we at New Hope can do that because God, there are 800,000 people in this, in, in this county that need you. There's almost 200,000 people in this city alone that need you. And God, the only way, potentially, the only way that some of those people are going to know of the redeeming work that you can provide through Jesus Christ, the gospel being preached to them, the only way that those, some of those people may hear is because of the love that we have for them. So God, as Easter is approaching, let us get excited about Easter. Let us get excited about the gospel. Let us continue to fall more in love with the gospel every single day. And let us propel us, let that propel us to love you and love others more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.